Welcome to the You Can Be Unstoppable podcast. My name is Ewelina Szczeplewska, your host and certified hypnotherapist. In this podcast, I will share with you how to tap into the power of your subconscious mind. I intend to share with you how learning how to use the power of your subconscious mind can help you to create a successful and abundant life with ease, how to connect with yourself while fostering a healthy relationship with your body and mind. Tapping into the power of the subconscious mind will help you to learn how to manage your emotions, become more resilient and present in all of your relationships. Self-love and self-worth are the keys to the kingdom of success and abundance, to happy and healthy life on your terms. Welcome. Today's guest is Kate King, founder of the Regent Life Project, licensed therapist, art therapist, and she's also currently working on her book. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. So I'm going to start with a simple question. I hope. <laughs> um, influenced you what has led you to start the radiant life project oh that's a good question so um at the beginning of this year 2022 i took a sabbatical from my private practice um because i had severe burnout from Mm -hmm. working on the front lines of a pandemic and um 15 years of psychotherapy practice without a real break. So um, I took four months off to kind of figure out what was working and what was not working in my practice. And the Radiant Life Project was born as kind of the next chapter um, of offering healing and growth for people that don't want to be stuck. I realized that a lot of what was burning me out was this sort of perseverating and ruminating around the same thing without people's real investment or accountability to do their own work. So the Radiant Life Project is founded off of the idea that you have to want your healing more than anyone else wants it for you. And if you have that crucial ingredient of your own motivation and the accountability to do your own work, immense radiance is possible in all aspects of life. And sort of during this time when I was developing the Radiant Life Project, I got a message that I was also supposed to be writing it into a book. And so I've been working on the book, The Radiant Life Project as well, um, just to sort of bring everything together into one place where people can access uh, the resources, the huge masterclass download of clinical skills and art therapy tools uh, for their own healing outside of the therapy office as well, that it doesn't all have to happen with a therapist, but we are also um, really capable of doing our own healing work if we have the right tools. Absolutely. And that so beautifully brings me up to my next question, which is the fact that it's so important to 
have that desire, that intention to do the work on ourselves. Because without this, like you said, it gets very difficult trying to help someone when they don't want to really heal and do the work themselves, whether that is conscious or it's just unconscious for them and they don't even know that's what they're doing. But it's all about taking the responsibility of your own life, your own healing journey, your own transformation. And yes, we all experience, I'm saying everyone, but most of us experience some sort of family trauma uh, that we need to deal with. And yes, we can easily fall into the victim mentality and go into, oh, because this happened to me and that happened to me and my mom wasn't there for me and like whatever it's true for you but at the end of the day it falls back to you taking that responsibility of you know taking responsibility for your healing journey and there's so much out there these days to help us mm-hmm. on that journey that we may maybe didn't have or we're not aware like um neuroplasticity or epigenetics there's so much out there that we can tap into now yes absolutely i think when someone transfers their mindset from a perspective of victimhood or blame to a perspective of accountability and responsibility, everything changes. Because if you decide that you will never project blame again, even though we may really want to, because it feels really gratifying to point the finger and blame someone else. If we see other people as just mirrors and they're reflecting back our own work to us. Yeah. Right. So I have an instinct to blame this person, but instead I'm going to focus on why I'm so triggered and why mm-hmm. I feel like I need blame. Point the arrow back at myself and have an invitation into my own healing work with that accountability that this is my work. This is my process. No matter what that person did, it doesn't mm-hmm. condone what they did that was hurtful, especially in the case, like you were saying, of family trauma or any other trauma. There are hurtful things that happen in the world, period. Absolutely. But the way that we handle it, what we do after we were experiencing trauma is what really paves the road for our healing journey. And if we spin our wheels on blame and victimhood, we're not actually growing. We're staying kind of in that place of being stuck and being wounded. And real growth comes when people are willing to let that go and they're willing to do the really hard work of accountability. That's so beautiful what you said because that my coach points back to me quite often when I've had a question to her recently and she's like, but how did you contribute to all of this? And I was like, sugar. Yeah. And you know, it's even myself knowing this so well, we all have blind spots. And sometimes we need someone point us in the right direction but at the same time I'm taking responsibility I have a coach I'm working on myself and yes blaming others is so much easier <laughs> it'll be so much easier to say oh it's not me it's them mm-hmm. why would I take responsibility for me but when we do take that responsibility and when we question okay well that's trigger me why mm-hmm. what is the lesson here mm-hmm being that curiosity, it just makes the whole process a lot easier. So it's not blaming me, them, and it's not excusing the other person either. But it's about being curious, what is the lesson for me here? Yes. I always tell my clients, if you feel a charge in your body at all, 
if you're anything other than neutral, it means it's your stuff and it's your Mm. opportunity to work on it. Because if you felt neutral in response to something, it would mean that you had either healed that or it wasn't an issue to begin with, right? So even if we feel a positive charge, if we get really attracted to someone or if we get really excited, that is also an indication that it's touching something inside of us. So if it's a charge, it's yours. Mm, absolutely. And I think I work with a lot of people who um, build businesses and they build their careers and they get so stuck and frustrated and they're blaming everything else but themselves. But when we point the arrow back at us, it's like, okay, but what have I not done? Where did I not show up for myself? Then we're having a completely different conversation. Right. It's a completely different lens that you see the world through once you start seeing yourself as the agent of change for your own life and you are the activating ingredient for your own joy. I think that takes such a huge leap of growth for people when they turn that corner. So what would you say to someone, which I presume you've got a lot of experience with people like this, who feel stuck, they think they want to change. But what the act exhibit is quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. I think this is an interesting question because oftentimes we think we want health, wellness, growth, change, but we have on some level, some part of us is either afraid or frozen because of trauma or stuck in insecurity or stuck in narratives that maybe other people have told us about our worth and value. So when I when I sit with a person who's stuck and they want it, but they're really not doing the work to do it, mm. we do work about the barriers first. Mm. Like why? Why don't you actually truly want this? Because I believe firmly whatever we do, even if it's unhealthy for us, we do it for a very good reason. Even if we're hurting ourselves. We're benefit. doing that in everything that we do. Everything we do is adaptive. And so if we're holding ourselves back, some part of us is holding us back because they believe that we have to stay protected in some way, or it's too scary or too dangerous, and it's not a good idea. So I like to use internal family systems. Sometimes it's called parts work Mm. to do this kind of work and find out which part is afraid or holding back and kind of inquire about these barriers. Because if we just push towards the the goal and we just snowplow over the barriers, we're not honoring our system. So it's really important to honor the parts of us that are trying to protect us and mm-hmm. to get curious about them and understand why they're here. Why are you not letting me do this work that I want to do? And it's incredible the value that people find when they give those protector parts a little bit of attention. And a lot of times it takes them back to childhood where, you know, something snagged them years ago that maybe they don't even remember, or it was something someone said that they're holding on to. And when you can ask that protector part, why are you standing in between me and the life that I want? You get some really good information about why. And sometimes they're protecting another part, a more vulnerable part that is really wounded. And that part Mm -hmm. needs healing and reintegration before you can actually move forward in your life. I find that really powerful, the parts work. I've had clients the other day where 
she was struggling with severe level of control in her life and people pleasing and it was really destructive and the part that she created when she was free still fought to the day to to, to today I can't say it <laughs> to today when she's 32 the part fought she's still free Mm-hmm. That gave her immense level of understanding why she had an emotional tantrum as an adult. They were at the level of a three-year-old, all the control she was getting into, all the people pleasing. In the, the part was created free for very good reason because of what was going on there. But at 32, it was doing the complete opposite. It wasn't protecting her anymore. It was actually destroying her life. So I can understand what you mean by all of this because the part work is so powerful and it's such a deep level of understanding for clients Mm -hmm. where they can understand why they do what they do. Yes. And similar to our devices, we have to update them over time. Mm -hmm. And we also have to update our inner system and we have to update our parts understanding of ourself. So a lot of times when I'm doing parts work with people and we come across a part that's a protector and it's doing something that's distorted and dysfunctional and hurtful to the system because it believes it has to, I'll ask the client to visualize that part and then come in relationship with that part from a place of true self, which Mm -hmm. is curious and compassionate and creative and clear and playful and open. And I'll have self say to the part, how old do you think I am? And then oftentimes the part is like, well, of course you're three, you're five, you know, you're this little, little thing and you need all this help. And then for self to actually say, no, I'm 32. I'm 52. This is me now. I'm a capable adult. And even better, I can take care of you now. Yeah. This protector part can be free to do what it wants to do in the system instead instead of what it feels like it has to do. That's where the curiosity Mm -hmm. and asking ourselves better questions comes to mind. Because running away from the things that do not work for us and that find out really powerful. I had a conversation with my friends the other day and she's someone who is a very busy person. She's a mom. She's got obviously career. Makes sure that her calendar is so filled the brim. She doesn't have to pay attention and face anything that's uncomfortable for her. And this is one of those coping strategies that we create when the thought of actually posing and asking ourselves better questions, looking at all those parts of ourselves would bring such immense relief and awareness so you can step up to the next level. Right. There's an element too with curiosity and I call this conditional curiosity Mm -hmm where a lot of times people will only be curious if it feels like they're going to get the right answer. Mm. They don't want to hear the hard stuff, right? They'll get curious. (laughs) Right. They're only curious on certain terms. And Mm. so I like to teach people how to cultivate unconditional curiosity that truly is open to the honest findings. When you inquire within, whether it's with a part, with yourself, with your history, if you're inquiring about a relationship, if you're truly willing 
to discover what's true, then the curiosity will be unconditional. And then you'll have information. So curiosity will give you information. And then if you can access that information without overwhelming emotional attachment to what you find, then it's really helpful. It's just information and mm-hmm. you can decide what you want to do with it. But if you have blinders and filters in place that are mm-hmm. only letting you see what you're comfortable seeing, that's not real curiosity. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of brings me to the next point that I always encourage my clients to question their beliefs. Mm-hmm. Because when we get curious and we question, it's like, why do I believe this? Is it serving me? Because the environment that we grew up in, who we are surrounded with, plays a huge important role in our beliefs, the stories we're telling ourselves, because we got them from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And for anyone who maybe is not ready to work with me or you or anyone else out there, I think this is a good place to start. Right. Would you say yeah. that's one of those things that people who want to start is actually start looking at the beliefs and ask themselves, why do I believe this? Does it serve me? Yes. And I think it's really important to remember that beliefs are not facts. Mm. A belief is simply something that you have heard or told yourself enough times that it becomes automatic. Mm-hmm. And that is very often not the truth. It's just the narrative. So being able to take a belief and making art about it, writing about it, even if you just write it down, I believe that. And then you ask yourself, how true is this today? Because you're not the you that you were yesterday or last year or a decade ago. So it might have been true at one point Mm -hmm. and now it's not, it might be outdated. So I just think it's really important to remember that it's just a habituated, repetitive uh, statement or narrative. Mm -hmm. It's not the truth. Mm, and that brings me to something I heard from my mentor, one of his clients. She was in fifties or sixties, and she's a daughter of an alcoholic. And she said, "Oh, I cannot have healthy relationships because my therapist told me when I was in my twenties that I cannot have healthy relationship because I'm a daughter of an alcoholic." He was like, "Wait a minute, come back up. So you are fifty or sixty, whatever she was." And he told you that when? So it's like she left according to the belief, the story that she kept telling herself for decades based upon something she heard when she was 20. And what does that specifically make it true? That just because she's, you know, a daughter of alcoholic, her relationship can be healthy. Well, and I think what you're talking about too is the influence that we give people in power over Mm. the way that we see ourselves. So oftentimes if someone is talking to a psychiatrist or a doctor or an expert, and that person says, you are broken, you are disabled in some way, the person takes that as kind of part of their identity and they own it as theirs, Mm. even though it's not, it's the perspective and the projection of their provider, which is actually really limiting Mm -hmm. because I think this work is not about boxing yourself. It's about freeing yourself from boxes. So we can definitely adopt 
other people's narratives and make them our own in unconscious ways, especially if they run parallel to something that we've always suspected to be true about ourselves. And so we're sort of looking for validation that we are in fact as broken as we think we are. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to be really careful of, you know, who we allow to influence us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But that's giving away our personal power to someone external to us. Mm -hmm. And that's really not a place to be. Right. But we grow up believing that because they are doctor or a specialist, like, well, but they said this. So surely that's true. Right. And we forget that they're people and they can be wrong and they are wrong a lot of the time. Mm, Absolutely. Mindfulness is one of those things that I really find empowering something that most of us can easily tap into something that i wish they were teaching at school unfortunately they don't <laughs> maybe one day top three tips could you give to someone who's focusing on building the business yet they are struggling struggling with overthinking what effing overworking it's really not going the way they've got all those sabotaging patterns that are actually getting in the way so in terms of from the mindfulness perspective what would you give the three top tips from your perspective well mindfulness is really important i think in all facets of life because it takes us from our busy mind place and it integrates us into that holistic systemic perspective of mind body spirit so i have a practice that i teach my clients called true yes and true no it's a Mm -hmm. mindfulness experience that is related to somatic experiencing which is bodily experiencing. So it's easy. All you have to do in any experience you're in is just notice what's happening in your body. If you're feeling something that's tight and constricting, and if you're feeling something that's light, it's not, this is not, do I feel good or bad? This is about the sensations. So when I'm around this person, I notice a tightness in my stomach, Mm. or I notice butterflies in my chest. And then you can ask yourself, Does that feel like a yes feeling or does that feel like a no feeling? And a lot of the time your body, if you take your mind out of the picture and you just have it sit on the sidelines for a minute, your body will tell you if something is a yes or if something is a no. So this is something that is like a muscle. The more you work it, the stronger it gets. But you can start with very small things like food preferences, right? Do I want hamburger or hot dog? Right. And then see what your body says. So that's one tool that I like. True yes Mm -hmm. and true no. Another one is um, I like to encourage people to make lists because Mm -hmm. it gives the mind something to do so that the body can then have that felt experience. So it could be as simple as what's working for me, what's not working for me. What do I want in my life? What do I actually want in my life Mm if I take all of the fluff off? Who am I? Who do I want to be? And so just making very simplified lists can be really helpful. And then to be mindful of the way that your body is reacting as you're looking at these lists. Mm -hmm. And then the third piece, I think it's really important to take um, a break, to go outside. I, I think nature is a really helpful tool for mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And I think that we should be taking breaks every day. I think a lot of people wait for the weekend or they wait for vacation or they wait for retirement and they are on the hustle train. I think it's important to get off the hustle train 
and get outside and notice something outside of your body, feel the temperature, feel the wind, notice the colors. And even if you walk the same sidewalk every day, it's going to look different every day because there will be new flowers blooming. There will be people that you'll see. So being in nature is a really great way to integrate mindfulness every day. Mm, I love those steps, especially the last one. I think that one is a must for me. So yeah, that, that, those are great. So you've mentioned you've had quite a few years of practice and I'm curious, what will be your biggest lesson that you've learned over in the years? In my own healing work or in my work with clients or both? Both. I think I have two, two pieces. The first piece is what we talked about before the mirrors that mm-hmm. every everything outside of you is an opportunity for your own return to self-work. Mm-hmm. The second piece, I think, is that you can't rush your healing. I've mm-hmm. gone through some experiences in my personal work where I've wanted to just arrive at that healed place or just be done with a certain issue. And I noticed that, you know, there's a saying that a lot of therapists say, we repeat what we don't repair. And sometimes you have to repeat something way more than you want to repeat it before it Mm -hmm. gets repaired. And this is a, this is kind of a perspective called the spiral perspective on healing, where you return to the same issues over and over, but you're moving up the spiral. So every time you return to that issue, you're seeing it from a new vantage point. So you are growing and you see As you grow, you see your issues in new ways that facilitate further growth, but it's not about a destination. It's not about healing in some final way. It's about the process of growing. So um, it's been a big lesson for me that you can't rush your healing and that layers happen when they're ready to happen. You move up on the spiral as you're naturally able to. And it's important that we honor our own inner system and what we're ready to heal. Because if we force entry into something that's really deep and we are not ready to heal it, it can destabilize our whole system. Mm. I call this peeling the layers of the onion. So with every layer, you got a higher or deeper layer. So every time you bump into the same problem, because I've been there as well. So Damn, if I've dealt with this and he's back up again, but it's a different, it's not the same. It's a deeper layer, higher level, however you want to see it. It's not the same because I've already yeah. healed part of it or some aspects of it. This is mm-hmm. a different aspect, different perspective. Deeper layer, I see from a different angle. It's been triggered in a different way. So it's not the same. I'm not the same person as well. Right. You know, having being made to look at this again, and I love your mirrors because I look at triggers as blessing these days. Before I was running away from them because they were triggering me, they were bringing uncomfortable emotions, and I didn't want to face them. Now I see them as blessing because they show me where I still have room for improvement, and that brings me to the next question, which is all about perspective and perception and how we see things mm-hmm. would you say that that is one of those things that i think if people understood that at the deeper layer that if they change the perspective where they are and where they are on a healing journey and how they see themselves they will 
completely chef the life. Yes. Yeah. I do. I do this thing with my hands, with my clients. And I talk about the shadow side and the sunny side of anything, sort of like two sides of a coin. So you can take any experience you're having, any feeling, anything, and you can say, what's the shadow side and what's the sunny side? And the sunny side is the perspective that's brighter, maybe, you know, lighter, maybe mm-hmm. easier. And the shadow side is kind of the hidden pieces and the more difficult pieces. And it's important to know that like every coin, our experiences and our feelings are multidimensional. They're not flat and they're not simple. And when we oversimplify things, we limit our perspectives. And when we limit our perspectives, we start to see the world through such a narrow lens that we miss a lot of opportunities and a lot of really important information that can help us heal. So when someone is going through an experience, if they're stuck in the shadow side and they're saying how hard it is, Mm -hmm. I encourage them to look for the lessons. How is this teaching you? In what ways have you grown and adapted to to be able to do this work, you know? And then if someone is kind of in that toxic positivity place of the sunny mm. side, I'll say, okay, so what are some of the, what are the hooks? What are some of the harder pieces about mm-hmm. this so that we can create balance? Like the yin yang, there's, yeah. it, you know, it's always about balance and harmony in the system. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, you've mentioned toxic positivity. You can't be too much into what you call a sunny side, a positive side and too much in a shadow I always challenge myself to what can I find positive? What's the lesson? Because uh, I think that naturally we are more inclined to see the negatives. For most of us, I don't think there's too many people into this toxic positivity. I think it, for most of us, it's that negativity that we're struggling with. So, and that was me definitely. So I always challenge myself to like, what can I see positive? How can I spin this? Because think if we come into every situation from a place of possibility rather than resignation then life is very different mm-hmm. right it's much easier to navigate it mm-hmm. and it's a good thought experiment to take an experience that you think you understand and challenge yourself to see it through a new lens it's, it's helpful for our brain. It actually helps create new neural pathways in our brain that allow our brain to be more expansive and less habituated toward whatever our original stance is on anything. So it's like mm-hmm. if you use your non-dominant hand to eat your breakfast, mm-hmm. right? You're making your brain stronger. You can do that with your thoughts by thinking of them in new ways and making your brain stronger and being able to hold different perspectives at the same time so that you're not limiting yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's so powerful because to all of you who listen to anything, I'm too old for change. You know, is that saying that you can't teach old dogs new tricks? It's absolutely not true. I've had clients in their 60s and they've made a remarkable shift. Mm-hmm. However, they wanted that and they really applied themselves and did the work. And I think that is one of those things that you must take. I agree. Sometimes it takes until your 60s or even later to really want it because Mm. you, I don't know why we're wired this way, but we're really resilient creatures and we will tolerate suffering for a really long time before we change because we are so comfortable in the familiar that we would rather be suffering in the familiar than in the unknown. 
And sometimes it takes decades to be comfortable with the unknown. And that's okay. That's, that is a person's journey. There's no rush toward healing. And I think everything happens in divine timing. And to be able to trust that process is really important. So I think one of like, one of those things I wish I've learned earlier is like, don't tolerate (laughs) BS, you know, do not tolerate something that does not work for me. Because like I say, we are so resilient. And I was putting up with stuff when now I'm looking like I on earth did I do that right now I would be like hell no I'm not you know dealing with this but in the past I said yeah okay whatever I just you know shut up and don't ask for what I need so like I said it's a journey it's never too late yeah and yeah. even resilience has a sunny side and a shadow side the sunny side of resilience is look how strong we are. Look how much we can tolerate and still be okay. And the shadow side is when you tolerate all this suffering, you're self-abandoning, you're hurting yourself, you're living out of integrity. And both of those sides are true. So resilience is complex, just like everything else. And if you're Mm -hmm. going to get to that part of, I don't want to tolerate the suffering anymore. I'm going to make myself uncomfortable enough to release that pattern. Then you're opening new perspectives. And you're allowing mm. yourself to feel. Yeah, absolutely. So that brings me to my last question. This podcast is titled You Can Be Unstoppable. And I want to hear what are your three tips to bring that unstoppable side of us? I think first and foremost, you have to believe in yourself. Because if you're going to truly live in an unstoppable way, you have to believe that you can, that you deserve that kind of life. So do whatever work you need to do, whether it's coaching, therapy, journaling, whatever, so that you can actually have your own back. And then I think it's important to have a supportive community that also believes in that. Mm -hmm. If you start with yourself and you believe that you're unstoppable and you surround yourself with people that help you to reflect back to you that truth, then you're even stronger. And then the third piece, you have to make action. Nothing happens if we stay stagnant and still and stuck. So taking aligned action toward things that feel congruent and right for you in this moment, not to say that you can't change your mind. You can change your mind at any point and actually you should readjust your course as you go. But I think in order to be unstoppable, you have to act. Mm, I love them. Those are really beautiful free tips. And I fully agree with them. Uh, It's one of those lessons that I had to learn myself. So I fully support (laughs) those free tips. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for being my guest. And I think there was plenty of golden nuggets for the listeners to dive into. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. If you found value in this podcast, I would like to ask you to leave a positive review explaining how this episode helped you to improve your life. I ask you to do this because this will help other people to improve their lives as well. Share and spread the love all around you. Raise your vibrations to improve your life. If you would like more transformational content like this, 
connect with me on Instagram. You can find a link in the description of this podcast and I'll see you over in the next episode.